We didn't decide to record yesterday. You want to know why? Because I woke up seven thirty in the morning to a Christmas um, festival outside oh my, God. my door. Santa was riding in on a boat. No way! <laughs> At seven thirty in the morning. Oh my God! You live in the best place. I still <laughs> no. get so excited about that shit. I'm like it Santa. Really <laughs> <laughs> and um, came. <laughs> What? <laughs> there was like a thousand people. Okay, maybe not that many, but a lot of people outside. There's. I live in front of like a a dock, and they were all standing around playing really loud Christmas music, like like you know Mariah Carey. Um, all I want for Christmas. I'm sorry, but I love that. Oh my god, it's who so, doesn't love that song? Well, a lot of people <laughs> have been posting on Facebook about how they want that song to die. I'm like, no. Why? And I, I don't you know. Jingle bells to die too. Music like after this week, I'll I'll be ready to have it be done. But I don't know. There's something I I thought that was so cool yesterday. I mean, I woke up and I was like, okay, this is a, it's a little much for 7:30, but you know, I'll go with it. <laughs> don't god. know why it had to be so early. But hey, Santa's ready. He's here. I feel like decorating. I've never felt like decorating in my life, but I feel like decorating. Um, I've never had a tree in my adult life. Why don't you get one? Because it's like it's so fun. Yeah. So for me and the cat, you know, like I'm You're just one of those people. Right? I'm, I'm incredibly practical when it comes to things like this. I just don't invest in. Okay, I'm like okay, get the tree up. And then I leave town again and then I go and then I'm back and then I go and stay with – so I have like, you know, all in all two weeks and I pay how much. And also I have to buy lights and ornaments. I mean – I know. It's worth – You have a kid. It's very different. But I – yeah, it's true. I wouldn't have – I don't – I think I would have a little tree. But I think, you know, what you can do is get just like those little ones that have, you know, so you have a little – I don't know. It's I easy. am diffusing pi- essential oil, pine essential oil. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I have that going too. I have the holiday joy smell. Oh, I love the pipe. holiday joy smell. I know. I got a bottle for you to send to you. Oh, good. I also Supply. need On Guard. Can I send you – can you just buy my doTERRA from now on? Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. I, do- I got you all the ones that you love that are out right now, so don't worry. Oh, yes. Okay. I got you peace. And console <gasps> and holiday mm. joy and Frank. Mm, you got me Frank. Yeah, because it's the it's so the product expensive. of month this month. <laughs> oh my god, it's the best. Frankincense is the best it, scent. It's the best. Yeah, who doesn't want a seventy five dollar bottle of essential oil for free? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> Um, anyway, so we were going to, we were like talking last night because in the last couple weeks, we're not doing the episode on this. We're answering letters in this episode, but we were talking last night about how people come back and men, men in our lives have been coming back recently. And, um, Mm. and I think it's interesting. I do think it's interesting. I like a week ago, I was lying in bed and Peter, the guy that I've, you know, Peter cigarettes, the guy I've written about, um, who just 
the like who the last time I talked to like said told he contacts me occasionally and then like and then ends up always ends the conversation by saying leave me alone and then the last time I talked to him I said do not call me like then do not wait nine months or three months and text me as if nothing has happened don't fucking contact me again I know that's the the really funny part is the re-entry text is always like like you have like you like never it didn't happen. Talking. Like it didn't happen. Hey, like, the last time, like, like the last time. Like the last time, I said change. I said something to him last time. Like like oh, let me see. Do I want mediocre sex in exchange for? Like I said something like that, and he, it was just like I mean that's the last thing. If I'm still at his phone, that's the last thing he's reading is that I said our sex was mediocre, and right. like. And yet he's like, hey, I have this neck. I left the necklace that I had with your initials on it at his apartment a year ago. And he's like, hey, I've got that necklace. Like, just throw the necklace away. Throw it away. Stop contacting me. Check, you know, it's like, I swear to God, it's like I'm scrolling through my phone. I don't, I mean, who knows what it is, but it's happening to both of us. Scrolling through my phone. They all come back at the same time. I know. Um, Last night's was funny. That made me snort. Like I, I actually snorted. <laughs> it's like what? You were. Where? I mean, can I say it? You're with someone else that you're dating that you're actually interested in, and and you get a text from a guy who who ghosted you, blew you off, who's like, "Hey, what are you doing? How's it going? You want to listen to some Ryan Adams together?" <laughs> No, or is it, it was, Brian it was, Adams? It didn't even have punctuation. It just goes, "How's your night?" <laughs> Are you are you looking to fuck anybody? <laughs> At one thirty in the morning to a I'm... sober person. <laughs> You're such an idiot. Uh, yeah, no. I was thinking oh. about this. I, well, because yesterday I slept with with an ex, and like, um, and it was great. Like, it was. Uh, it was i mean i'm i started i started messaging him after i was dating the last guy and that blew up and and then i told him about it and he's like how long ago did you stop like how long ago did you get you know your heart broken and i said oh like a couple weeks ago and he's like you mean like right before you started texting me again and i was like yeah right before uh-huh. like <laughs> exactly and then right. um and he's like so you were just reaching out to me because uh like whatever and I was like yes I am and he's like okay just checking and then anyway but this is somebody I used to be like madly in love with and it was and I'm just not anymore and I was actually at lunch I was at dinner with um with uh with Melissa Phoebos and we were talking and she asked me if I could just have casual sex and uh just like this just a couple days ago and I said no, because I get attached to people. And right. it's interesting because yesterday, I want to say, I think it's the first time that I was able to have casual sex with somebody and have – like I we were like lying in bed afterwards and I said – I mean, and it was still good, but we were like lying in bed yesterday, like afterwards and I said – I tried to tell him something good happening in my life. And he, about was, your life? <laughs> something about you? Something about me. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And like literally said, yeah. And I was like, all right. <laughs> This is up. We're okay. done. <laughs> and like, anyway, it was just, um, it was very transactional, and it that didn't, and it, and that wasn't subtractive. And I was thinking about this last night when we were texting. Um, 
I was just thinking about why they like that's that like you know there's for me and not like I mean I don't know I don't want to speak on your behalf but for me it feels like I'm on in this period of time where I mean I like I you know I talked to one of my ex-boyfriends helps me with my books and like mm-hmm. my fi- my financial accounting and for my company and and then mm-hmm. I have another one that is um that recently reached out to me and said he was disappearing and then I have like um wait wait clarify that he just said you won't hear from me for a long time i'm taking some time like i'm taking time off from life i'm running away um so there's a whole anyway i mean it was just like i was just like oh i love you good luck um i mean we're we're still like you know we still kind of keep in touch um and then i have you know like then i'm i'm having sex with this one and it's like like there is this it's almost gauzy like or it's almost like decomposing I don't know how to explain it other than you say like I can feel the texture of it all and it's Mm -hmm. almost like it's just it's it's just like it's it's like um like rotting and going back into the earth like for me you asked what like what this is about and I was I was just thinking it's just these for me what it feels like is these interactions in this meantime where I'm not with somebody and and again I've stopped looking for somebody because I'm exhausted by it and I'm just I'm not there right now and um and I just can't can't stomach it with everything else that's going on um, but it just feels like I'm in this time where the like it's just like the frag like the the like f- the final parts of of all these things that I held on to for so long. Um, they're just like they don't. I don't feel Falling anything away. Towards, right, and I. Yeah. It's just these reminders, like fuck you, Peter. Like go the fuck away, right? Like don't mm-hmm. like. Whereas before it would be trying to like game how I, you know, like even if I wasn't even interested in them, still getting that hit from somebody that used to, you know, I used to feel something. Ugh, it's just this like totally disintegration that's what i, I feel. don't you think though yeah i don't and i think <sighs> i think that because i can't have casual sex either um but i i have been in situations like you where something has just worn its life out oh like a, a relationship has just worn its life out and so it yeah i can have casual sex with them because i don't have any more curiosity. I don't have any more. There's nothing left. I don't left. love him. I mean, I loved, I loved Justin. Like I really did. Yeah. And I used to, you know, like stare into his eyes and like, I just was, you know, and yesterday I have to remind myself that I used to feel something towards this person. I have to remind myself mm-hmm. that I used to right. like have like an orgasm from just his presence, you know? And yeah. whereas, I mean, I was, for being honest, like, fantasizing about other stuff anyway do you do that is that a thing no I've never understood that um, that you fantasize like about a, other people to like like other well, situations not when to... I'm with someone really huh I'm not a, I'm not a fantasizer period like for whatever huh. reason like we've talked about this whatever reason <laughs> that doesn't work for me like it's all that works for me my mind is what makes I know, me it's so I find funny. it so weird that you don't I t- I've tried because I like hear that people do that. So I'll I've be like, okay, thing. I'm going to try to play something out right now. And it just like, it's too slippery in my brain. It's just like, bloop, like I can't hold on to a single like um, 
you know, storyline or something. I get it. <laughs> I, I have to try really hard to hold on to the storyline and like <laughs> it's stay, work. Stay. It's work. And you're balancing the storyline with the sensation with also right. the fact that you don't want the person that's on top of you to catch that you're thinking about someone else or something else. <laughs> It's yeah, that sounds like a lot. See, I just go right. I just that have works. to focus on sensation, and I and that, that I cannot just, just focus on the sensation. I wonder what that is. I mean, it's there, it's incorporated, but it's not what it's. It is the thing that carries me across the finish line. Um, yeah, but it's not the it's thing. It's complicated, though. I get it. Like, cause, uh, who knows? It's, <laughs> it's so such much a work. Crazy. Guys are just like just thumping their dick, and then they they have one. <laughs> and for women, it's like. It's like 17 systems have fire <laughs> synchronicity, maybe, maybe for more than five maybe. seconds. So you can like, maybe. Oh, oh God. I know. No, it was really too – and fun. it was great yesterday too because it was also like it's this practice with – you know, it's this practice of being with somebody I'm incredibly comfortable with. And like okay. and and being very clear, like like I was very clear. I usually will put up with something hurting a little bit, you know, like for their pleasure. And right. I was just not eat like I'm just not even there or I'm like that hurts. Like I'm not doing I'm not having painful sex anymore just because I think I'm supposed to. And right. so yeah. Anyway. It's good. It's all it's totally all growth. I mean, if you think about what we were, you know, our conversations used to be about him. Yeah, I mean, we have a whole fucking episode de- dedicated. To <laughs> I know. I asked him. We were we were messaging a couple, maybe a week or two ago. To, was when I wrote that piece on aloneness, and I was thinking mm-hmm. about writing about like a kind of about where I was with that at this point. Like, I wanted him to be kind of part of the story, just. Um, and he ended up not being. But I sent him a message, and I was like, "Do you mind that I use your name in my blog?" And he said, you write about me in your blog? And I was just like, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no. Nope. Never uh, have. No, I mean, I just said, yeah. And I was, and he knew that too. Like he sent me when I – because I've written – I mean, he used to send me screen clips of, you know, he just doesn't pay attention to it anymore because he doesn't give a fuck. Um, right. Just the way I don't. So anyway. All right. <sighs> So anything that you want to advertise? Oh, my God. Yes, I do. Um, I have the bigger yes is registration went up. By the time this airs, it will be open and it may already be full. But if it's not, you can go to my website, lauramccallan.com slash yes and register. I sort of um, – under the radar opened registration to the waitlist this morning and I already have a, a bunch rolling in and um, I'm going to cut it off at a certain number. So it may, I'm, I'm suspecting there'll still be a few spots by the time this airs, but it starts in January. I would love to have you. And I think that's it for me. Um, yeah. I'm just sort of scheming. I'm kind of getting excited thinking about next year now. I'm sort of scheming what, what's going to happen it's a blank slate, babe. Yeah, 2018 is going to be great, which is what I said about 2017 incorrectly. Um, 2017 was well. We'll do a whole. We'll do a whole episode on that. Um, what do you want to talk about? Suck a dick. Um, 
Actually, 2017 is great. I posted this thing the other day that I read about Lamar Odom's grandma. Like she said, yeah, that was all great. things that happen in the dark will like or come out or will come out in the light. And it was just like, or in 2017. I mean, Matt Lauer, like, Gel, uh, yeah. G- what's his name? The Companion Home Prairie, you know, guy, Kellerson. Everybody. Yeah. And basically I mean- everyone. Oh, Russell Simmons. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I just. Okay. I mean, it's interesting because I'm reading Rebecca Solnit's Men Explain Things to Me, and which is just a fantastic book and everyone has to read it. But what is so it's interesting, good. what I find to be so fascinating is that when I post something about – like I posted this thing about sexual abuse and AA on my, on my Facebook page. And I posted yep. something recently because I had – walking through New York the other day, I had three really – uncomfortable situations that men don't encounter. Like I had this thing happen where – and it's it's just so obvious and it's been happening my whole life. It just didn't happen the other day. It happens my my whole life that men feel like, like me existing is an invitation for them to say something to me. Like I went to get coffee in shorts the other day. I went to get coffee in shorts and a man said, how far up does that tattoo go? And then the other day in New Whoa. York, I had this thing that like where I was – where and it, it wasn't like a nasty – you know what I mean? It was like a dude – it was a dude. It was a dude yeah. at, like thinking that that was that that was because I have a tat because I'm wearing shorts and I have a tattoo on my thigh that is an invitation for him to ask me a basic a sexual question, and then. I was on the streets the other day and I had a guy and his friend watching me and I could feel them watching me. I crossed the street. I'm looking for an address. I fucking knew, I know New York. And this guy like runs up to me and he's like, and he gets in my face and tells me that he's been watching me with his friend and that I look lost and I'm cute. And like, he just thought like that was what he said. And I said, yeah. and I just walked away. And then I had another guy I was walking by who was standing with his friend and I was smiling because I'd had a good dinner with Steve and like, I was just happy. And I walked by and I'm smiling and he goes, she's smiling. And then I had another guy tell me that I was wearing my jeans right. And I like three things in one day. And I just mm-hmm. – I posted this thing on Twitter and Instagram and I just said, like, reminder to men, a woman – like a woman existing and and like is not an invitation. Like a woman walking past you is not an invitation to talk to her or about her. And right. what I got from that and like I just like like my friend like Tim sent me this article about like the rock test, which is that when a man has like the urge to say something, like how far does that tattoo go up your thigh or those you're wearing those jeans right or or she's smiling to instead of like imagining the woman, imagine the rock. Like imagine if you would say that to Dwayne Johnson. Is that something you would say to a big scary oh, the man? Rock, the, person. the rock. The rock. I was like, a is that rock? a thing that you would say? Like the things that men say to women, like they're like they think it's so harmless. But would they say it to a man? How far does that tattoo go? Like your jeans look great. You're looking great today. Can you smile? Like they don't say that to men, and like especially to scary looking men. And so anyway, but. I wrote it and the thing that was so like insidious about it is that I always no matter what I post about this there will always be one who says but not all men but not all men and it's just like what you're saying is not me instead of like I 
hear and witness the experience and I am committed to changing it. It is so infuriating when somebody says, not all men are like that, but not me. I don't do that. Like, fuck you. Like, dude, that is the most inappropriate response. And all that says is you don't give a fuck, that you're not listening to me, that you're trying to separate yourself. And most likely you're not incredibly honest about your own behavior and your like contribution into it. It's like, it's a privileged thing to say. Yeah, anyway. no guy that um no, I I totally hear you and I think um what has been the most interesting thing to me is to uh, uh, the most telling or you know, a very telling thing about the men in my life is how they respond to all this stuff happening. Yeah. And how I and also how I imagine people that I don't talk to regularly, but like people in my past, especially like we're talking about old, you know, guys that used to be in our lives. And I can imagine how they would respond to all this stuff coming up. And it's such a good litmus test for like who they are. You know, I think about because for example, you know, my, uh, my ex husband, like we were talking about it and he, he's a good guy. And all he said was, it's great. Bad time. You know, he doesn't need to say, not all guys do that. Not all, you know, but maybe there's nothing. There's yeah. nothing there like that. And then I picture, you know, my uh, some of the more, the the guys I've talked to uh, or talked about on here, and I just know this that I know the nasty comments that they would make about women. You know, like oh, uh, it just it runs or saying not all guys are like that or whatever. Just some defensive bullshit, snarky, or you know, at worst, like they deserved it or this is bullshit or just don't go hang out with women. I've heard a couple guys oh, say that. that. Well, no, there's All that the part too. Say, okay. Don't go hang out with women for like the next year. It's like, fine. really? No, that. No, <laughs> yeah, but, but also that. fine on some level. Like when I get that, like there's like a woman that posted, well, one day you might miss it. And I was like, really? And then there's people that, well, you men are going to be so afraid to say anything to a woman. Good. Like, good. Yeah. Like, be a little, like, like actually, because women in general are afraid. So maybe if there's a balance of fear about how we approach and how we respect one another, maybe if the question comes into play, is this appropriate or not? Like, maybe then things will change. But, like, there's just the comments of, well, like, this is, like, like no, this is not an attack on men. This is not, this is, like, an equalization. This is a, this is a world, like, that has been made by men and for men. And which women, like, in which women suffer atrocities. Right. Like women basically are the ones that always have to check it. Women are the ones, you know, like even just saying me wearing the like me wearing shorts to go get coffee. There is like an inherent when I walk out the door wearing shorts with my thigh tattoo, there is an inherent thought of am I asking for it? Like even though I know the answer to that, that is still a thought that I have. Should I wear this? Mm -hmm. Like that Mm -hmm. is a thought and that is something that women have to deal with. So fine. So men, you deal with it too. You walk into a room and you consider when you say something to a woman, whether or not it's appropriate crossing a line, going to make her uncomfortable or the like. Anyway. It's just or be afraid. Be afraid. Be afraid. Be afraid. Share share some of it. Just share some of it. Anyway. Uh, so that's read the letters. Oh no. About. Okay. So, um, my 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 permission. Um, we uh, hip sobriety school number eight is starting on January fourth. 
And you can get on the wait list by going to thehipsobrietyproject.com or by going to hipsobriety.com and clicking on Sobriety School. Registration – I'm sorry. School begins January 4th. Registration opens December 27th. Awesome. All right. So what we are going to talk about is we're going to read a couple letters. Mm -hmm. And uh, I will – you want me to go first? Well, you have both of them, so. I know, but <laughs> so you want me to, do you want me to read? Do you want me to read the letter and then you answer it? Sure. Okay. Drinking is a new mom breastfeeding. Dear Laura, firstly, to put it quite simply, I think you are incredible. Thanks for being here. My question is simple and loaded at once. Did you breastfeed while drinking? I mean, really drinking, not a glass or two? I ask because I'm a new mother, my son is six months, and I believe I'm an alcoholic. Just writing this makes me feel awful and ashamed beyond belief. I have put a great amount of effort into not drinking since he was born. but still find myself struggling and have found myself waking up with a pure panic about feeding my baby after how much I drank. I don't know what I need in an answer from you. I guess just some insight from someone who has been there. Did you feed your baby after too much wine? Was your baby okay? Did you want to crawl away and disappear from the guilt of being a bad mother? I've only been a mom for six months. I'm so blessed with my beautiful son, whom I love more than anything, and yet I've spent most of his life drinking. I can't give up wine for the most precious gift in the world. I've spent much time looking at breastfeeding and alcoholism, but there's so little information out there. And you had mentioned mostly, or mentioned briefly about breastfeeding and drinking in an answer to another question, so I thought I'd reach out. I'm sorry for the rambling. I'm just struggling. I haven't had a drink in three days today. Any response you can give with your experience is greatly appreciated. It would be so helpful to hear about this history from someone who may have gone through the same experiences and feelings. Thanks for all you do. You've gotten me through these days. I'm barely stringing together sober. Blessed and still stumbling. Okay. Um, okay. I'm going to ask for a lot of space to answer this widely because um, there's a lot of there's a lot in there. First of all... I, yes, I did all those things. And yes, it woke me up in pure panic and terror every single time. Um, I have heard many, many moms say, first of all, before I even say any of that, like, brave, brave, brave for writing, for writing that down. Even I would have never been able to say that at that time in my life. And I know how scary it is. And I hope even just the act of doing that released a little bit of something. So I hear, I hear you mama. And, uh, and yes, I've been there and I did all of those things. And, um, I know that for me and for so many other moms, when I had Alma, my drinking really changed and, and very quickly. Um, it became something different fast. I loathed um, the part of my pregnancy that I loathed not drinking. And I realized in my during my pregnancy how dependent I was on alcohol because I was really on edge and miserable. And then, and I, I joked about it. I was like, I can't wait 
to dive off the sobriety cliff when I have a baby. And, you know, and I joked about it, but there was this like sense of fear too, that like, I want this a little bit too much, you know, but I was literally, okay, I had a C-section with, with Alma and within a week after we got out, I, she was born on February 20th and I will never forget, um, I had there where I lived in Boston, it was St. Patrick's day. There's a big parade and it's a Sunday of St. Patrick's day and St. Patrick's day is what, like March 17th or something or around there. So a month later, less than a month later, I went out with my husband, um, to all of the parties. I had my mom and her husband come and watch, watch Alma, who was brand new. And I got wasted that day. And it wasn't, I mean, I drank right away. Like as soon as I got home, um, from the hospital, but I got really drunk that day and I would come back home. I I had saved up a bunch of milk from breastfeeding, but I would come back home and like hold her and like, you know, be so excited to see her. And then we would go back out. It was like an all day thing. And I also, at the end of the day, that day ended up doing drugs. I did cocaine and I came home and later that night, I woke up in the middle of the night and I breastfed her. And I've talked about this on the show before. I will, I will never forget the, the panic and like the terror that just ring, like shredded me for weeks and weeks and weeks after that, because I couldn't believe how strongly those two things were pulling at me, my need to be with my baby. And, and yet the, the stronger need was to drink and to use drugs. And I couldn't not drink and I couldn't not do the drugs. I just couldn't, you know, and not realizing what I was doing, like, or not, not realizing, like not, realizing that I really just didn't have control over it. Like I couldn't hold up my drinking the way I used to, because now I had this life that I was responsible for, but I also knew it just, it shifted it. And it's really hard to describe, but it shifted it. I couldn't get through, I couldn't eat at that time either. Um, I, I had so much anxiety that I had lost, like by that St. Patrick's day, I'd lost all of my baby weight. And then some, I was tiny you know, a month after being pregnant. And I couldn't, um, I couldn't breathe, you know, like I, I had so much anxiety and drinking didn't work anymore. It just made me worse, but I couldn't stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I, I, I did all of those things and I freaked, I freaked out about it every single time. And I know I mean, I can't say, I know what I was looking for was the, this answer that my baby's going to be okay. And of course there's no, I mean, obviously she is, but that is the kind of stuff that I, that never really goes away. You know, like I, I, um, I don't live there and I don't live in the shame of that anymore, but I, um, there's a part of my heart that is really scarred from that. And 
I can say to this mom that it, it, it never goes away, you know, like that, that, um, it doesn't get any better is what I mean. (laughs) If this is where you are now, like this is, um, an opportunity, like a real, real opportunity to get better. Um, and to, if you cannot put this down, um, then I would say you need no further proof, you know, then it's time. Uh, and I couldn't either. And it has nothing to do with you choosing wine over the greatest love in your life. That's not how the equation works. Like I, uh, addiction is stronger than love. And someone said that to me in a meeting when I first went. Addiction is stronger than love until it isn't. And that was my experience for sure. I, um, it wasn't enough for me to quit. And I just understand the heartbreak. Like it is, um, it is confounding and terrifying and, um, you're caught in this trap of wondering why you're doing it and trying to play this really dangerous, dangerous balancing act of, you know, how much you're drinking versus what's okay for breastfeeding. And it's like the wrong fucking equation to worry about, you know? Um, does that make sense? Like, it's the wrong question. It is, well, yeah, <laughs> like, it is. I mean, it, it doesn't, I don't think, um, I think it's just, you can't, it's not the right comparison, right? Like, you can't separate being a human Um like you can't cut that out of the equation just because you have a child. And mm-hmm. I think that our society and just expect expects that. Expects that because you are this now, then this other part should be something different. That they're like that's the that's the expectation. That's the thing that we're supposed to live up to, which is because you're a mother now you are now you are not, you know, in part not allowed to your humanness and you know, I also want to say in this, like there is, I think for mothers that go through this and also that thing that you're you're saying that you hold on to still, that still hurts. There's also, you know, there's this other part of this as well, which is that, you know, first of all, I believe that baby chose you. And, mm-hmm. and, and also there's this other part of what you do with it, right? So you're given this thing and this is an awful, terrible, fucked up thing. It's one of the worst things I think a mother can suffer, right? Like this idea mm-hmm. that you'll stop drinking because you have the baby, then you have the baby and that love isn't great enough to make you stop hurting yourself. And, and not only that, in many cases, I, d- I do believe it gets worse from what I know. There's, there's many mm-hmm. cases where it's, it actually, you know, amplifies and, and then there is this sense of brokenness and there's a sense of, you know, like uh, this haunting, you know, the, the things that we do that, you know, like the story of all, like the story, you know, you're like, your keystone story is the story, is the time you left your daughter, you know, and found her, you know, naked in a hotel, you know, because you, you know, like yep. there's like, that's your story. That's like your story. You know, I have like mm-hmm. three of those stories and one of them is blacking out and ending up at my ex-boyfriend's house and pounding on his door, you know, and like that's my moment. My moment didn't, you know, didn't endanger a child's life. And then there are mothers that have lost their children and then there's mothers who probably – like many mothers who have killed their children, right, mm-hmm. um, and actually harmed them. There's mothers who have kids that have fetal alcohol syndrome. 
Um, you know, and I think when it comes to this, to, when it comes to this piece, there's one part of this, which is that you are, where you are is where you are, but what you do with it is the thing that makes the difference. And when you are, when you are in this position, in this thing that so many people would choose so many other things over, you know, I would have chosen cancer over addiction easily. Yep. I would have chosen sure. a lot of things over addiction. and But when you're in this and this is your thing, the thing that you have to pass on to your children that you have in this situation, you know, breast, you know, beyond the breastfeeding, what what you have to pass on is is this is this um, steep life path and this evolution. Not a lot of kids yeah. are born to mothers who are forced to go through this process. And what going through this process means – is that you open yourself up to life as it is. And right. I – you are giving the gift to your child, not, you know, like, yes, there's there's this other part, this darker part, but there's also what you do with that darker part. And that's more than what most mothers will be able to give to their children. Um, or, right. you know, it's, it's just a – so, so anyway, I mean, I just, I don't have any much to say about the breastfeeding or, you know, but I do have to say that this is, this is a gift and it's an invitation um, and it's yours to do something with. And just like you said, Laura, like, you not like the jig is up, like you're here, you can't put this yeah. thing down your street. You said, you know, like it's up, like that's it. It's up. Right. And you can continue to prolong the pain. And a continued denial, like de- like denying it and fighting it and not wanting to be in it, or you you walk through the door and you start working towards – and you already are. Like this woman clearly has already walked through the door. But, you know, yeah. I mean some, it takes us a long time to actually realize that we have and to do something after we walk through the door. So. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think the best way, you know, a lot of people said to me, especially when – things started to really go bad, you know, like do this for Alma, got to do this. You got to like, you know, and, and including her dad and just this disbelief, you know, and, and I felt like I should too. And I, and I will never forget someone I reached out to was actually a man who had a lot of sobriety. Tell me you, you can't do it for her. Um, I understand saying that and that you think you should be able to or you should want to, but the reality is you have to do it for you. And I, I, it took me a long time to really understand um, how that worked for me. And I'll try, I, I posted something about it, but I'll try to recreate it here. It was that I couldn't do it for her. Ultimately, I couldn't. It wasn't actually for her. It was for me. But I also understood that there was no her. There was no me without her. Like I wasn't willing. I I couldn't imagine that life. I didn't want that life that that didn't include her. And I knew I can promise this mom, too, that that's where it goes. Eventually, I would have lost her. I was this close to it you know, to losing custody or, or, or being presented with a life that I wouldn't have wanted to live. So I didn't do it for her. I ultimately did it for me, but there, knowing that there wouldn't be a me without her, you know? And so it's something like that. And I, 
I can't say I wish I would have stopped sooner because it's just not how it happened. But I can say that there was no pain greater than like it never got any better after, you know, once I had her and, and all those years after there were very, very few moments of okayness with drinking like the the light had really gone out because of because I know you can't not know that anymore you know you can't know that you're drinking before you're breastfeeding you can't not know that you're drinking despite um, what you know in your heart to be what is best for you and I just send her so much love and compassion and I I do also want to say like this this acute shame and anxiety and panic that you feel you it will go away you once you get distance on it um meaning sobriety and like some recovery you you won't feel that way um I don't feel that way and I really needed to hear that from a mom when I was when I was deep in it because I thought it would maybe be never you know something I just would never live down or live out. And, and I don't feel that way at all anymore. I'm, I, when I do, I, I turn it around to being really grateful that I don't, I don't live there. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. When I read that letter, it got me kind of right in the gut because I know, and I know so many other moms know too. It is a, a special kind of hell. Yeah. So we have another letter, a second letter. Okay. Do you want to read that one? Yeah. This one is titled, When Does the Breakup with My Friends Get Easier? Dear Laura, I am approaching my one year of sobriety this December. The largest challenge of this last year, other than not drinking, has been the realization and grieving of of some very close friendships due to my change in lifestyle. These two friends in particular I have known since childhood. We've grown up together, gotten in trouble together, laughed, cried, and all the in-between. But the one thing that has been made clear that we will never do together is practice sobriety or even the genuine respect of me practicing it, even if they don't. In your experience, when does the grieving of these old friendships get easier and the realization of what those friendships actually were versus what I had imagined them to be? become less of a heartache. Mm. Love fleeting friendships in Chicago. Mm-hmm. What do you say to that, Hall? Mm. Um, I think that there is a practice in, in like part of the overall thing that we do. We kind of step foot in this path in this direction that we learn about the impermanence of everything. And mm. so much gets destroyed in the fire, you know, like so much, like your not just your friendships, your way of being, how you, you know, I, I, how you are, how you, how you are in the world, how you relate to people that do stay in your life. Um, you know, like we just, we have to burn a version of ourselves and a lot of the, mm. you know, a, a lot of the things that come along with it. Um, in order to emerge, and there is just this 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 kind of uh, receiving and release, and receiving and release. And I think that for me, just personally speaking, I have always naturally been one that's because um, I like change so much. Um, 
I've always been one that can move rather quickly. I know when to let go. Not a man. Uh, uh, <laughs> Asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I do know when to let go of friends. Um, mm-hmm. And I've gotten a lot be- – I've actually gotten way, way better at that um, as even as I, I've gotten – as I've gotten older. So uh, – or, or as I've, I've evolved, I'd say. Not as I've gotten older but as I've, I've you know, grown up um, metaphysically um, and, and, and uh, consciously. But I think that there is the – there is the, um, the embracing of the impermanence that – that one may come into your life and, and the working with it when one leaves, right? Like I was thinking about yesterday. I mean, like you're my person, you know, like I, like I called you last night twice and then you called me on a date and you're like, what's going on? (laughs) And I was like, nothing. I just want to tell you like I had sex with Justin today and like something else. And you're like, okay. And you weren't like, what the fuck, Holly? You know, you were like, well, you called me twice. And I was like, well, you know, if it was bad, I would text you, like, emergency. And uh, you were like, right. No, but yeah. then you still talked to me on your date to hear about – and now, you know what I mean? Like, it was just mm-hmm. – and also, you might have been like, hey, I'm on a date. Fuck you. Goodbye. You know, and that would have been fine too. But I was just thinking right. about how I, I don't need many people, but like – I like I so need you like I am you know like I you are my person and I don't know what I would do without you but also I faced what I would do without you um this summer yeah and when I faced what I would do without you I um was so I mean I was angry and it was and it was I was grieving I mean grieving and I lost a lot of uh, like I was there was a lot of groundless and there was all of the things that happen when we lose a person. Um, but also I knew I would carry on. And I had this, like Gabby Bernstein calls it the comeback time. I have a resilience and the come, like my ability to come to, you know, like my emotional body hurts and grieves, but I know there is a part of me that is able to reconcile what it means to lose people in this life. And then there's this other part of me as well that knows that the, like, this is just a gross manifestation. Like us seeing people and touching people. Like I know that this is not like, there is no – this is just one manifestation, a very gross manifestation of what people of, – of like this life, this world it is – but it is not the communi- – like it is not how we actually communicate. We communicate on a soul level and that you don't yeah. – even if you lose people physically, you don't lose people. I know that right. when – I know I talk to my grandpa still who is dead. I know that when my – when I lose my mom, I will still be connected to her and connected to her forever. I know that like there are past lovers like Andrew. I miss sometimes so much. He was just such a – like he was a – he was one of my – I don't know. He's just – he's somebody I miss. But not really. Not like – you know, but but I can – and I can still communicate with him and I still know. Not like you're going to do something about it. You just oh, God, no. allow that missing no, no, and no. it's sweet. It's right. like a sweet. Right. Yeah. But I also know I'm still talking to him. I still know on some level we're connected and we always will be because once you come into contact with another soul, like that's it forever. That's it. You are forever connected to that person. There, there's right. that idea that no thoughts are private and it's true. Like on a level we can't understand because we're too fucking dumb and we're human. <laughs> like we are connected to every single person we come into contact with and all of them are meant to come into our worlds and play a part in our world. And so when I think of like – 
when I think of, you know, like one of my good friends, Anna Lee, like she was, I called her wife and we lived together. And then, and we were always, we always had this very tumultuous relationship, I would say, but, um, she Mm -hmm. was one of my people. She was like my person, you know, she was my ice, (laughs) my case of emergency for a long time. And, um, and she was like one, like, like one of five people whose numbers I had memorized. And, um, (laughs) because I was with her when she got her cell phone, you know, and like, it was just, and, and we ended up like, and I don't know why, but we, you know, we tried and she came, she left my life, you know, like for various reasons, it just, I, you know, like it just went away. And at the same time, like there's a grieving and a sweetness over it. Like, like the other day I was passing, like we used to watch the Chappelle show together and I was passing little John's candies and like, you know, there was this little John skit and we used to always like, you know, like talk about little John and I wanted to take a picture of it and send it to her just because we would laugh. And then I was like, but it's, you know, it's, we're not that anymore. And that's not what we are. Right. Right. And so I would say like there is, it's not learning how to grieve and release these friendships. It's knowing when something is no longer serving you in this realm, like realizing that we're given people the same way we're given tools. They sometimes are assignments. You know, there's le- there's reason, like some people that just come in for a specific reason. There's season, some people that are in our lives for, you know, a few months or a few years. And there's lifetime. Right. There's people that we have for our life. And like, you know, that, and, and it's, it's, it's not up to us to decide what they're going to be. Like, that's just not how it works, but it is up to us to that's decide how like, to say that again. Cause that's really like, say what you just said again. That the reason he's in lifetime, it's not up to us to, it's not up to us to decide what each individual is going to be to us. That is like playing God. What is up to us is to understand how to work with this person that comes into our life. It's no different than the guy that I went out with a couple of weeks ago, right? I wanted something so much different from this man, but that was not the plan. And I had to work with that part of it. That's the part I have to work with, which is the releasing and the handing over and the showing up and the, and the witnessing of what that brings up in me and what doors it opens within my world. You know, all relationships are assignments and, and, and our assignment for the most part is to, is to use them in such a way that evolves ourselves, that evolve that for the evolution of our consciousness of our soul. And so you know, I, I just like, for me, it's just been, it's been an allowance and a surrender and a a witness and a using and, and all these things. But like the, the way I get through it all is just knowing that one day, you know, somewhere on some other plane, we are all going to be together and you don't really lose people. Yeah. And you don't know, right? It's just things change over and over and over again. You really don't know. One day, yeah. you know, one day he might text you at, you know, on a Saturday night at one thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you don't know. One day he might, might watch you, you know, And there's this, there's this other interesting phenomenon too, which is that like, I mean, I, you know, you, like I was at yoga the other day and this girl who was a roommate of mine in college in Santa Cruz, I was like sitting there putting my shoes on and I looked up and I was like, Oh my God. It was this girl I'd lived with years ago. And I had just been talking about like her the other day. And, um, I mean, it just, it is also incredible how this world, this huge, huge world works to bring people together and to separate them. I mean, it's, it's never been lost on me that like I might run into somebody 10 times in the city 
and 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 like you know who who whatever for whatever reason but i you know justin and i worked like across the street from each other and and like and i and i was like we were in each other's proximity and i have never run into him ever right and right and then you'll see someone in fucking new york like when you're there for a day i know uh, or an in the entire yeah. city you'll run into i mean it's 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 so true mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um what do you have no, to say i love to what you, i love what you said i wouldn't like i didn't i wouldn't have gone with it that way which is why i love hearing your responses um i mean i, I agree with everything you said wholeheartedly but i i you know, when I read something like this, I, of course, just think about, I don't, um, how do I say this? I have less of a difficult time letting go of friendships, I think, because, and relationships, period. Well, not except with men, but relationships in general, because <laughs> I went through so much change as a kid, like my, you know, my parents collectively have been married and divorced like almost 10 times. So I had entire families leave my life. I had, I just, things changed so much that I, I honestly, I have like two friends that I've had from a little kid, but I don't, I barely talk to them. You know, it's like, I have them in my heart, but I don't talk to them. So I can't totally relate to um, a deep grief of losing a, a like long time friend, but I I definitely can relate to the grief of losing my life as I knew it once I got sober. I mean, we've talked about that endlessly, right? And in, and and part of that is is friendships as they as I thought they they were. Um, what I thought of when I read this was this that quote that's like we don't see things as they are; we see things as we are. Mm-hmm. And you're when when this person and and myself included, and I think anybody that goes into this path, you're seeing things from this place. I'll just speak for myself. I saw everything from this place of loss. Like there's so much I'm losing, and so much I won't get to experience. I didn't try to really get my friends to understand because I knew it was, I knew it wouldn't, it, they wouldn't, or they couldn't, you know, it was like, I knew that part was just broken. And I'm saying this because she's seeing it from what she has to do, but she doesn't know what her friends are experiencing or, or what they actually think of this. Like, people in general are very scared and confused and jealous or indifferent to our experiences, including sobriety. It's it's like trying to explain to someone what it's like to be married before you're married or what it's like to have a kid before you have a kid and then multiply that times 10 or 100 because of the weirdness and fear people have around sobriety and how threatening it is to their own existence. And I'm guessing if these have been her friends for a while, they're probably they've probably drank together for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so it's this you know we we think oh it's, it's just another thing that we're going through, but it's kind of not, you know. This people I remember I'll never forget when I when I got engaged. Um I was so I was so excited and I had 
some really strange responses from a couple of my very best friends where they kind of got, they got like mad at me. Like it was almost like a, um, they, they weren't happy for me. (laughs) They were clearly (laughs) not happy for me. (laughs) And it was, it was, it was almost like, I remember asking one of my other, my guy friends about it. And he's like, oh, they, they just love you and they don't want to lose you, you know? And it's like that response never, or that, the idea of that never occurred to me. Like, oh, really? But I'm just getting engaged. This is supposed to be like the most exciting thing. So I, people do with, do with our experiences and our, you know, how they perceive what we're going through in their own lens. They see it as they are. So who the fuck knows what her friends are thinking or not thinking about, you know, when it comes to her sobriety. And honestly, it's a tough realization, but nobody cares about this as much as you do. Like nobody's going to care about your sobriety as much as you do. Yeah. And except for people who have gone through it, like I give a shit about her sobriety. And that's why I had to find people who have gone through it. Uh, I couldn't rely on my friends who weren't going through it because they didn't know. You know, you can't possibly know. And even my family, even my, I mean, we've talked about that endlessly. Even my family, even my ex-husband I could sit here and try to make him understand and he never would. And it would, it could either infuriate me or I could just say, okay, you're not going to be my person for this. Same goes for my mom. Same goes for my dad. Same goes for my brother. They were never going to be my people because they can't know what it's like. Um, So she wanted to know, you know, what... (laughs) when it gets easier or when it, when it lessens. And, and my guess is that this is just maybe the easiest place to, to point her grief to. Um, but the grief is probably just a general grief about losing an old life, you know, the way that her life was. And it does get better, but there's this definite in between space. I mean, I will never, there was a long period of time where it was this liminal space where it was really quiet and I hadn't formed my friendships and like you weren't around and then no one was really around and it got really, really quiet. And even when I started to create new friendships, it was still really quiet because it wasn't like it was before where it was just, it, it, it had to like grow all over again. But the thing I can, I, I feel now and I know now is I didn't even know what it meant to be a friend or to have a friend until I got sober. I can honestly say that. Like whatever these relationships that she had, they may come back or they may, they may never. But even if they do come back, they will be entirely different relationships than they were before anyway. And she'll see them in a different way. Like I thought I had all these amazing friendships. I didn't. I didn't even know how to be a friend. Like, did you? Mm, that's so hard to explain. Or You know what I mean? Um, I Yeah, I, mean, I didn't. I just, I, I, it wasn't that I didn't care <laughs> or that I didn't love people. But I just, I, I just couldn't. I don't know. I don't know if I was – I'm trying to think. Um, I think I had friends for the wrong reasons. I think that I – and I also had really toxic relationships with friends. 
Um, I, I think my whole approach to it was, was, was different. Yeah. I mean, but I don't know to say if I didn't know how to be a friend, I just think I didn't really understand. Um, I would just say I wasn't, I didn't have a, a clear enough boundary about who I was as a person to have healthy relationships with other persons. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think, um, I think it's so interesting what you're saying about the, I think it's really interesting what you're saying about like this, like it's, it's, you said one thing and you said, um, this isn't even about this thing. Um, you're not like being upset about this thing. And I think that's one thing I would disagree with. It is about being upset about this thing. I remember so clearly when my friends that weren't even that close of friends, they weren't long, good friends. These were, this is my social circle. When they yeah. – their reactions to it, I remember like being – I remember sitting and getting manicure – mani-pedi with my friend Amy, who I'm not friends with anymore now, and telling her and thanking her for still loving me even though I was going through – even though I had quit drinking and that I was – and just like being so mad at all the responses that I had gotten yeah. from people – that we knew mutually and I, I – and just th- – and being so like I want to say disgustingly grateful for kind of nothing. I mean kind of like for saying <laughs> – for basically for saying – Thanks for not dumping me. <laughs> exactly. And crying to her over that. And like literally, by the way, somebody who told me um, they were happy that I'd stopped drinking but they wished that I would stop smoking cigarettes – um, you know, like I'm talking, right. I was so grateful for crumbs because when it all falls away like that, um, even though I was really happy to jump into the fire, I'm still human. And a lot of times, again, our, we can make these decisions, but our limbic system does not, it's much slower. It's an older process and it takes much more mm-hmm. time to catch up to our cognitive decisions, um, which is why, you know, we will break up with somebody and then our whole body will reject it a couple days later. You know, it's just like actually because it's working from two different systems in the body, two different parts of the brain that have two very different functions and two very different speeds. And so what I'm trying to say is that is real to her. Like that is so fucking real. Yeah. Like that is. I know. I didn't. I hold don't on. Let me finish. I know. I know. But let me finish. I'm not trying to. I'm not like. I'm just saying. The the point of this is what she's writing about. We're talking in all of these higher level things, but the reality of it is, girlfriend, fuck yeah. Like this is real, and this sucks so bad. Mm-hmm. And we can say it's not. It's about them and all of these things that rationalize it and also like makes it you know and spiritualizes it and all of it. But the truth of the matter is. Like I'm thinking back to the girl who was in the salon that one day who was just crying about her, you know, her friend that like hadn't really done anything to support her in this except still be her friend um, and still hang out with her. And I just am like, um, oh, fuck that shit. This sucks. It does suck. You will lose friends. And that part sucks and it hurts and it bites. And it's so fucking real. And you will go through it and you will encounter all these different things and it will make you stronger and you'll learn to work with it in different ways and you'll come to these realizations and you'll be sitting here like Laura and I are 
who are able to talk about it in these terms. But right now, right. like, just it sucks. And, and like, it sucks so bad. It sucks. Like, I can't actually even, like, put a stamp on how much it fucking sucks because it is so I know. hugely <laughs> sucky. Now that you're like, I, now that I'm actually thinking about it, right? Because I have to kind of work hard to remember. But now that I think about like that year when I was like, tr- like wanted to get sober, but I couldn't, I, it was some of the ickiest. I was really disappointed. Yeah. I, I was really, <laughs> really disappointed and upset. Um, by everything, by everything people did, by everything they didn't do. They didn't invite me to a thing. They, and I, I forget, you know, you're so right. I do forget. It's, um, I mean, I, I can talk about the general grief and like acknowledge that, but I forget how specific that, that pain was because it just, (laughs) nobody gives you what you need. Like, and even the people that wanted to be there for me, I didn't know how to tell them to be there for me, you know? And I had people that I, it was just it's just fucking shitty. Yes, ma'am. You're so right. <laughs> You're so right. I'm like, God, that really it's but I ha but I guess that's a testament. Like we're sitting uh, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm trying to think about it and it's really hard it's to go far, back and go it's and far feel away it. now. Yeah. So it it got it gets so much better. Um I also, you know, started out by saying like I I have, I don't have a super hard time with change and neither, like you said that too, because, uh, for whatever reason, it's just the way, the way I made, but, um, I can promise you like what is to come will be okay. It'll be okay. And it'll be better. And what you said, like, you don't lose these people. I've had a lot of the ones that were really, really, it's a good way to find out you know, what your, what your friendships are all about, because the ones that were really close have resurfaced in some way, even if it's not like they're back in my life, they're back. You can feel them. I can feel them back in my life, in my heart. And, you know, even if we've only exchanged a few things here and there, and that's because, you know, we both gone through some shit. I don't know. It's so, it changes. Like, I also just, what you said about everything kind of being impermanent, I have really, like, I think the extent of our suffering always goes back to that <laughs> of my own, for sure. Whatever I'm, I'm like trying so hard to hold on to, um, usually provides me with a lot of suffering and it's usually around relationships. I've had a lot of people write me and say, the thing that we talk about with guys, they experience that same pain with friend with friends and friendships. Um, they don't do it with guys, maybe, but they do. It, they've experienced with friendships, and if I put it in that light, it's like, oh. Well, I mean, we have like you and I were talking about this. Remember, we were talking about kind of our things, our respective things. Do you remember that? Yeah. I'm not going to bring it up, but yeah. like just yeah, with yeah. men. Um, and I think everybody has a very, you know, like I, I think everybody has a very, like everyone has a thing, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I have a very different thing than you have. Um, even Mm -hmm. though like there's a lot of crossovers and stuff and, and you're like exactly right. Like I don't have that shit with women. Like I just don't like with friends, like I don't, but with men, you know, and I have friends that like are just, 
they never ever struggle in the man department, but you know, like they have like severe issues in the, you know, in the friends department. And, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. like, you know, we all have our, we all suffer in our own unique way with our own unique challenges. And it's, it's all relative. Um, it is, but anyway, (sighs) it gets better though. Chicago, it will be so much better. All of this stuff, like to every big, to, to the, to the mother, like to mm. everybody, like it's just like the the thing is with the moment that we actually like step into the pain, right? Like this is the thing that the the thing I've been hit over the head with in the last you know month or so. Like it's just the moment we step into the pain, the moment we stop running from the pain, the moment we stop, you know, we sit in the pain of losing our friendships and what that feels like, or the moment we sit in the pain of of understanding that. We, we may have a, an, you know, an addiction to alcohol or alcohol may have to leave our lives or, you know, or like whatever it is, the moment we actually like turn around and stop walking away from it and just sit in it and learn from it and move through it is the moment that it starts to get better. Like that's just yep. it. And so in yep. all of this stuff, like it's, it's just the, it is just anytime we are in it, anytime we are suffering is just the moment that we start to move towards closer towards the light and, and the lightness of being. Um, yeah. And it, and it takes a while, but it happens. Like it always happens. <laughs> I can promise that. It always At some point that happens. happens. Yeah, I know. So. Okay. Oh, letters. I love letters. Um, I love letters too. They're always because they always kind of bring us back to the reason that we're doing this in the first place, you know. I agree, I totally and completely 1000% agree. So, I love you so much. I love you too, and I hope you have a beautiful Sunday. Same, mm-hmm. bye. Okay, bye bye. Sweet.